on Wednesday at sunrise, the workout will go off in four countries in 29 cities. And it's what Boyan and I do as our full-time job. And so this is what we do. We live the dream of November Project and we get to see the movement everywhere. That was Brogan Graham, and this is the Running on Ohm podcast. I'm your host, Julia Hanlon, and here at Running on Ohm, we dive deep into long-form, unedited conversations with pioneers of the mind-body-spirit connection. Some of the people I bring on for all of you, you may know and revere, and others are undiscovered gems. So thank you for trusting me with your headspace and your heart space. Today's guests, Brogan Graham and Boyan Mandrick, are the co-founders of November Project, you may recognize Brogan's voice since he was on Rue podcast number 143, which I'd highly recommend you check out. But today's conversation is with Brogan and Boyan. Brogan and Boyan first met as teammates on Northeastern University's crew team. I'll let them tell you the story of how they started the November Project, but they also share about how November Project has grown from first a workout challenge between themselves to building their mothership group in Boston to presently November Project has 29 tribes in four continents and is growing. Brogan and Boyan explain what it takes to start a November Project in your city, the role of social media in November Project's growth, and their vision for the future of November Project. This conversation was a wild one. Both Brogan and Boyan have huge personalities, strong senses of humor, and big hearts. They made me laugh probably more so than any other episode I've ever done, and we definitely went to weird places. I began going to November Project in Boston during its first summer in June 2012, and I'm inspired by how Brogan and Boyan have grown November Project to be a community where athletes of all abilities and from all backgrounds are welcome and celebrated. If you live in a place with the November Project and have never been, I hope that after listening to this conversation, you'll check out one of their workouts. Also a heads up that some explicit language was used in this conversation, and if you have any little ones in the car or are sensitive yourself to swearing. On Running on Home, I encourage my guests to be authentic and our conversations are not scripted and not edited. If Running on Home is a part of your life, you tune in regularly and get excited for a new episode every week, then please consider donating to Rue's Patreon page, where for as little as $2 a month, you get to be a part of an intimate Rue community with insider access into the podcast and exclusive content. So visit patreon.com slash running on home and know that any amount of support helps. A huge thank you to all those who've already joined me on the Patreon journey. I am so grateful. Okay, you ready to dive deep in today's conversation with Brogan Graham and Boyan Mandrick? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Brogan Graham, along with Julia Hanlon <laughs> with sports <laughs> and Boyan Mandrick with weather. <laughs> do you ever do that, weather reports? No, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, you could do like projected weather reports for all over the world. Because this this is going to come out like a week or something. Yeah. So yeah. an hour long podcast of just talking about weather. You'd be like, yeah, in Denver, it might be 70 in a week. You know? In New Delhi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were just in Denver, correct? We sure were. Yeah. And highlight of the trip um, was when we woke up in the morning in the hotel, which Boyd and I have woken up in uh, literally thousands of hotels together. The reason I could tell that Boyan was in like a non-sexual uh, <laughs> capacity. Boyan is a uh, love drunk father because in the morning, the very first thing he throws on is this like, 
terrible like baby dance song like you would play for toddlers and he like threw it on with confidence like yo this shit is tight check this out and it was like some goo goo gaga jams and it drove me bananas it's it's a bob marley rendition by a t- by, by a, a baby toddler. yeah it's okay marley cover by a toddler yeah hey, we're in a dark hotel room in denver it's so good He's like, yo, you're it's really this. good it's yeah. really good so, my daughter loves it she's Aww. 10 months old so Boyan, surprised. I mean, no one's surprised. Boyan's a great dad because he's, he's totally bought in so much so that even when he goes on the road with his college buddies, he still plays the cover jams by other toddlers. He loves his toddler so much that he loves all toddlers. <laughs> by the way, when is the toddler cutoff? Baby getting into a toddler age. Yeah, when do they start toddling? Oh, interesting. Do you know? I don't know. I thought no you knew everything. That's why you have this. That's why you host this. I, I host this so I can <laughs> learn everything. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Marley. Marley is Boyan's and Emily's first kid. Marley is a girl. Her name is spelled M-A-R-L-I, which is Serbian. For Marley. For Marley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she was born at Summit last year, the first week of October. On the hill at Corey Hall. In, <laughs> no, no, well, no. November Project Summit that was held in Park oh. City, Utah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like right, right. Birth on the hill. Yeah, right. so we actually had. Um, no, so, no, don't talk about that because that's we don't talk about her anymore. We don't talk. No, I'm talking about November Project Summit. Okay, yeah. So we have um, ruled that during the leader meetings, and November Project Summit is a yearly event that we put together to kind of gather all our leaders and talk about life and direction of MP and all these cool things. And we had a rule that all cell phones had to be put in this quilted um, pocket. Blanket, blanket quilt cell phone locker right um that was hanging on the door and everybody had to put their cell phone in so no one is checking getting disrupted or whatever the only person that was allowed to have phone on was me because my wife was just ready getting ready to pop the baby and she was also really awesome and understanding and allowed me to travel across the country to park city utah to you know do mp things while she was days away from delivering our firstborn child so I was on a call the whole time, and uh, luckily Marley decided to give me um, the full summit without any interruptions. And uh, when we came back two days later, she was born. So. And he's playing it cool. It was insane that he was there. He shouldn't have been at some. I mean, he for six, seven months, boy, and we knew that the dates were going to overlap to the point where it was like, well, I, I had to start bracing myself for like, okay. Boyan, the co-founder, the co-creator, like the energy, the engine behind this movement isn't going to be at Summit. And he kept being like, no, 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 I'm there. I'm there. Oh, we'll work it out. Like, we'll kind of like, I don't know, she'll like suck it in or push it out or something. We'll do something. (laughs) So we started playing this whole thing of like, okay, well, if she has the baby, how many days do you need to be excited about the baby before you can leave and still come? (laughs) And like, it was funny for us to even have those conversations because like, I didn't know what the protocol was and he was making it up. And so I just remember when we were getting on the plane or the fact that like he showed up, I mean, I remember seeing you in Utah being like, what the hell are you doing here? So anyway, uh, moral of the story is shout out to Emily Mandrick, uh, for being the mom of the year and Marley, uh, your dad's psycho. And he listens to other kids, toddler jams on the road, which brings me to my next point. We need to get Marley on this show when she learns how to speak and run. Yeah. And does downward dog. She's killing child's pose right now. And she's scooting. I didn't know we'd be talking this much about babies. She's scooting, which I didn't know there was like, basically babies do this thing and jump in when I'm wrong. Yeah. They kind of like, they work on like holding up their head, which is like step one. And then eventually they work on like rolling around 
And then before crawling is a thing called scooting. Yeah. Or they well, this is like, turning into a podcast about babies, which I'm <laughs> super excited about. I can't wait to share with my um, with my parent circle it's friends. Running on OM is about runners and OM shit and babies. And babies. But scooting, going back to scooting, is very <laughs> impressive movement that everybody should try. So basically, you're sitting down, you extend legs, and then you try with your butt to follow your legs. Like, but digging your heels but in. But digging your heels, right. And For our you, viewers at home, Julia's actually left. She's at the grocery store. And you're not using your arms at all in this process. So um, to scoot across the room is really challenging for a grown adult. Babies. like a destination deck, like Corbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree, yeah. And, and then we reduce traction. We put it on a sand or something. It's also like, it's, it's kind of, you almost Sandy have to butts. imagine like, um, like with no hands, giving yourself a wedgie using the ground like that's probably the best yeah that's like if someone's like hey bg quick give yourself a wedgie no hands right i would jump on the ground and i would start scooting right but you would you would drag like the <laughs> upper butt no no i think it's like for the direct, wedgie direct for the wedgie. Yeah, yeah right yeah. yeah um well thanks for having us on the show uh, we got to get going so um <laughs> thanks um hey by the way before we came over here on the street yeah. corner we were with um Chris Payne, one of the co-leaders of Boston, and his lovely girlfriend, live-in girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, before we parted ways to run over the Arsenal Bridge, I shouldn't let people know where you live. She lives in Belmont. We're in Belmont. Um, we all joined hands and we ohmed to see who could ohm the longest. Because at the end of yoga classes, even though yogis don't talk about it, whoever ohms the longest wins. Wins. And who you win the yoga. Longest? Well, I farted during yeah. mine. Yeah, so, that's, so that kind of... I either DQ'd or broke the I might have won. I won. Chris Payne won because he went the longest. Yeah, I was distracted by a fart. So I, yeah, but I then we cropped us. So we had to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Um, let's get back on track. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, scooting across the room. <laughs> it's best to start on like a gym basketball court or something. Um <laughs> And if there's any way you could wear like a nice pair of Umbros or something. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Umbros. <laughs> I feel like we need, to, we need to put closure to the scooting because oh, yeah. I don't feel closure on it. Um, closure on scooting. Um, it's really hard. I think it should be a workout. I'm not kidding. I'm being. What, what muscle groups would it target? Because I think a lot Core, of. Core for of, sure. Okay. Um, hamstring. Hamstring. Uh, calves. Oh, yeah. And um, the Achilles. Tendons. Yep. Both. A lot, lot yeah, of so runners. It's, so it's very, yeah, yeah very explosive um, mid to lower body workout. Yeah, yeah. And it's slow. Like, even if you're good at them, which Marley's pretty good, you're slow. Like, right. the good scooters are slow. Yeah. Good scooters are slow. <laughs> I mean, we can break it down right now. These yeah. floors are pretty nice and they look slick. So when are you starting your full on television show? I don't think I'm ever going to do a television show because I really, I prefer just voices. I'm never not. say never though, you know? Didn't you ever hear that saying? Never and say never. Guys, never stop exploring. Yeah, that's true. Never stop exploring. Shout out to the North Face as well as Caleb Daniloff and our friends at Umbros for being here today. <laughs> so let's just back up for <laughs> a second. It's a soccer brand. <laughs> There's going to be some listeners who have no clue what oh, the right. project is. Um, but there will be plenty who do as well. But you're on the, you guys are on the planes all the time. I know that. What do you say to the people sitting next to you who ask, what's your job, number one? And what is November Project? I that try, is a great question. I try not to talk about jobs because I, that's, that's the easy <clears throat> crutch. 
I mean, when the conversation goes to the job question, you know that that person is either not interesting or not trying hard enough. So I try to save job for the last. Right. Um, I like to ask random questions like, where are you going? Yeah, but but I think... Because it's, it's obvious. Sorry to cut you off, yeah, yeah. my friend, because you do that a lot Friendship. to me. But um, it's obvious everybody's on the plane, so we all go into the same destination. But that destination may not end where you land, right? So I like to know where you're going and then just find out more about their families and find out more about their life and what makes them tick and what makes them what they're passionate about what they're you know yeah, but she on. asked you for the viewers at home you what's your pitch what what, what? so I'm, I'm giving you my pitch so okay. I, 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 I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I avoid I try to avoid job question for as long as possible right so we might actually sneak out of this interview without ever saying what it is we I mean if we if we I follow so. your model yeah I hope so yeah. um, I only tell people that I like so like if someone's like kind of like grumpy or like really negative about air travel or something and they say, well, what do you, what do you do? What do you do? Brogan? I say that I'm a history teacher because it usually closes the conversation pretty quickly, but if they're really nice, I start talking about November project and I'll tell them that <laughs> sometimes I'll just say we're in fitness <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> or that I'm a community organizer. But that's so community not building on your part. Yeah, I know. If you so, shut down because if, you yeah. don't you don't know. See, you don't know what their background is. You don't know how Well that's the history teacher. So most people are embarrassed that they have like virtually zero memory of like ninth grade history. So when you say history teacher, they're like they don't want to ask any more questions. Yeah, but what if you sit next to a history teacher and they're like, Yeah, let's talk about history. I'd be What's like, your favorite Oh part? shit. Then I push the emergency call button <laughs> to start ordering beers. Yeah. Um I my my November project uh like 30, 20 second pitch is, um, I was lucky enough to be a part of the first group in Boston that started a fitness revolution. That's now all over the world. And it's, it ends up being a hook. It ends up being them like, wait, what? What? Cause they're used to hearing shit. Like I'm an accountant, I'm an attorney. So, and then usually like we go to the whole, like I, then there's a more colorful story and then, um, and then that's it. And then, they, well, they usually say, how do you make money? And I say, we don't charge for workouts, but my co-founder and I have a really powerful partnership um, with a brand that's making our world a much better place. And that's called the North Face. And they help us with events and put gear on all of our leaders and travel around the world and, and change the way people are thinking about fitness. So that's kind of like my longer version. And if they're still with me, <laughs> then I say, that's when I said, <laughs> tomato soup. Do you ever have people on the planes that you've met actually come to the workouts in the city? Has that ever happened? Yeah. Um, there was a flight attendant. Yeah. That came after recruiting. Um, I recruit a lot of flight attendants because they have this whole like, oh, yeah, we're actually staying in Denver tonight and then we're flying out tomorrow at 11. And it's like, that's perfect. Because they're also looking for something, right? Like the, the hotel gym sucks everywhere except at Weston Hotels. And um, have you had Chris Heisler on here? I have had Chris. Oh, awesome. he's awesome. Did you listen to it, Boyne? What? Did you listen to Chris's interview? I don't listen to things. Yeah, I don't consume anything. Uh, yeah, I, I just drink water. I just drink water and, and talk about air. ultras. <laughs> and, and, and watch my daughter scooter across the room. <laughs> Talking uh, about ultras. Ultras. Yeah, Broken. Boyne and I are getting ready to run our second ultra. 
Whoa, when is this? No. I'm trying to force him into signing up for an endurance challenge in Wisconsin. Um, I, I ran one marathon this year, and that's my long distance for this year. I'm done. For 2016. For 2016, I'm done. Yeah, and I'm trying to hurt myself this year, so I'm, I'm signing up for as many races as I can. So and I'm barely training. That's another thing. That's another piece that's like not a lot of runners have confidence to train the way I do, but I don't train, and then I race slowly, but with confidence. Yeah, a lot of confidence. Uh, yeah, so one of the really cool things about what's happening right now with November Project is that we're we rally around these these races that are put on by the North Face called the Endurance Challenge Series. And uh, it sounds like a kind of a pitch right now, and it might be, but um, they've made trail accessible for city folks. And so they're not too far away from major airports and major cities. And in our case, a lot of our tribes. And so um, we have a discount code and those kinds of things. But what makes it cool is that throughout the weekend, instead of it just being a big, scary trail 50 miler or whatever, it's a 5k through 50 miler and including some relay events. And so like, it makes it easy for our, our mob of really upbeat city slicker November project people to kind of try trail. Um, yeah. There's something for pretty much every single athlete within the tribe. Um, you have some first time athletes that never ran there in their life and they will run a 5k. And then you have someone that, you know, is on their fourth or fifth 50 miler and, um, they're having fun and they're enjoying beautiful trails of North America. Yeah. So we have, what do we have left? We have the one in uh, Utah, Wisconsin. And then at the end of the year, they call the championships, which is in San Francisco on the fifth or the something of December, first week of December. Um, yeah, so that's cool. I feel like when some people are children, they think about their lives and think about maybe their jobs or careers or what they want. And they're <laughs> like, oh, I really want to travel a lot. And other people don't. And you both travel a tremendous amount. I mean, just the amount of different races you're speaking. To yeah, the ones you're going that's a good to. call. And the fact that you're in between that are going to be going to a bajillion cities. How right. do you guys sustain it? How do you sustain your energy, your bodies? Um, I... I use uh, oregano drops. <laughs> Shout out. Um, Shout out to oregano. Oregano drops <laughs> in my uh, orange juice. They they work really well. You still they, do that? I do. Before the flight or on the flight? Before the flight. Yeah, yeah. And when I get home. I don't know. Someone told me. Were you? I told you. BG told me about oregano drops. And I've been doing it. And it could be kind of like snake oil. Um, well, totally flight, placebo effect. Yeah. But flight I, attendant told me about it. I haven't, I haven't got sick. So like I do, I found oregano drops. They were like ten bucks, but it comes in a tiny little bottle droplet and, thing. Yeah, yeah, and I mean ten drops is nothing out of that thing. So like it's probably gonna last me for the rest of my life. Um, but I, because it, I mean when you drop it in orange juice, it, it, it tastes like you're drinking orange juice with taste of pizza in it, um, which it, is good uh, i don't i don't know i think I it's bad think so. yeah i think, I think it's bad it's really bad and actually i started off with like you know maybe like a quarter of a glass and right, now right. i just put enough so i can like swig it down and oh yeah, yeah. Like without even like you're touching like my taste buds i just basically yeah. try to swallow it without um liquid even i can't wait my throat. You, i can't wait till you graduate till you're just putting the drops like on your tongue yeah that's the next step um but anyway for that for me it works um i haven't gotten sick knock on wood yet yeah um so compression socks that's helpful for you for me i just think they're stylish uh it makes it's me, all about traveling and it style. Makes, me, <laughs> makes me feel like i'm a soccer player like my brother um dan the soccer player <laughs> or history teacher <laughs> uh what else oh I heard one. This is insane. I heard one from a flight attendant 
By the way, is the term stewardess, is that outdated? I think so. Because it's like a female thing, which yeah. is like kind of like not fair anymore. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so stewardess is, by the way, long, I mean, you know, rest Flight attendant. Flight attendant. Uh, told me to drink uh, a liter, which is 32 ounces of water for every hour you're in the air. It's a lot of peeing. It's a lot of peeing. And at first, and I didn't say that to them, but every time I relay this to someone else, I'm like, yeah, an hour. I, I always do it with confidence. Yeah, 32 ounces every hour. And then someone says, it's a lot of peeing. And I'm realizing that, well, maybe that's part of the magic. So you have to pee all the effing time. So you're standing up a lot. You're breaking up your flight kind of based on like w- waiting in line at the bathroom. So you're I saying guess. from Boston to San Francisco, you're going to drink a gallon and a half of water. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And that's, but, but when you land, I mean, after you pee a thousand times, you, you land feel and fresh. you go to the bathroom again. Right. You feel super fresh. It's insane. It's too much. I guess maybe it's one of those things of like try and obtain that. Try try and try and hit this goal, and you won't. But even getting close is pretty good. Yeah. Because even half that's good. Uh, Also, we Skype and Facetime with our wives a lot. That's how we're still married. Uh, Because that's a big piece when you're on the road. Yep. And then, um, well, we you know also keep in mind like I think a lot of people that travel for business business (laughs) Um, businessmen have a hard time staying in motion have a hard time moving, like have a hard time getting workouts in and stuff like that. And Boyne and I are always traveling for November project and the North face. And so, you know, if you go to Washington DC, you can go to Monday, Wednesday, Friday at November project and a Tuesday, Thursday at the PM workouts, the North face puts on called mountain athletics. That's a pretty awesome week of like, maybe it doesn't fall into the training that you're doing, but maybe it's even better because it's mixing it up. And so, that I think is a big solve to how to stay like kind of motivated and energized when you're on airplanes a lot. Um, and I would else? say most important thing is that we get to meet with the leaders from around the world and that energizes the crap out of us. So right. just coming back from Denver, I had the opportunity to like meet one-on-one with every single leader at different points. And uh, that's invaluable. Like you, you, you can replace that with a FaceTime or a Skype call or a two hour long phone call. Like it's just not the same. So, um, having those opportunities to, to connect with people that are volunteers that are, you know, taking away from their jobs and families and everything else that's going on in their lives and really hear them out and, you know, talk about life in general. Um, I think it's invaluable and super energizing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it also reminds me of kind of like what you do here because, one of my questions was when we came in, like, do you ever do this on the phone? And your answer was no, it's always, it's always in person. And like that, that is the way that you'll just do this forever. You'll probably never go back to Skype again. And there's something funny about, um, going to, it seems like, you know, almost every other week I'm always like, well, wouldn't it be just as valuable to get the leaders on a phone call or get everyone on Skype or, you know, and it just, it's just not at all the same. And you really do have to go to these places to really, I mean, touching down a month ago in, in Winnipeg and a few hours later, we're all out in canoes, you know, like chasing after bald eagles and drinking beers. And as the sun's setting, it's like, oh, okay, so this is summer in Winnipeg. I would have never gotten that vibe and that experience and met the tribe and really got to hang with the leaders unless you get on a plane and go to Winnipeg. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think travel's a big part of what this is. Um, the movement's in 29 cities, and so it's kind of, as we look into the second part of this year, I mean, the, you know, 
to have another handful of tribes in Europe and uh, the first couple in Africa or different parts of Central America would be pretty, pretty amazing. And um, I, I just think it's really cool to see the fact that no matter where you go in this movement, it's all kind of built on the same ingredients of kindness and hard work and everything's free and it's weatherproof. And it's, um, yeah, it's like cross-cultural. It's pretty awesome. And you guys created it. Well, Boyan sure. created it. <clears throat> Boyan yeah, created I'm, it. I just yeah, talked about I'll, it. I'll take full credit for it. Boy, yeah. Um, even I though I'm given only partial credit, but I'll, when I have the opportunity, I Boyan take full credit. Boyan created November Project. I'm actually the founder. Boy, I, 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 um, I'm the assistant founder. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, so late, later, that's um, why he got a baby about him, about him because month the store had to bring November project <laughs> when it was December. Brogan was like, Hey man, let's like, stop. I know that we're, Please. you know, we're having so much fun, but I'm just tired. So can we sleep in? And I was like, no, BG, no, keep going. Like, Trust me, this is going to be the best. And I said, no, I want to give up. And plus, I have no goals. And Boyan said, no, let's let's push for goals. Let's create some goals. <laughs> and and then we went out on soccer field and we we're just like kicking ball. Yeah, yeah. P you know, he, PKs. Goaltendings. Um, um, and, uh, and then I was like, you know what, BG? I think that you've proven to me that you can be a co-founder now. Thank you. So I stepped down from being a founder and now we're the co-founders. And now we write original songs. Believe in yourself. We have one called Believe in Yourself. It's played on a mandolin and it takes at least one person to sing it. I can't perform it today, but it's called Believe in Yourself. It's probably going to come out uh, in the next couple of years. On Available on MP3. And, and downloadable DVDs. All right. And then the second one is <laughs> actually a remix by Adele. Right. Featuring David Willey. And it's called I Love My Dad. Yeah. Yeah, David Willey is... Um, He's actually not, doesn't sing on the song or play any music, but he likes it. So we put his name on the track list. Yeah. Let's go back. Let's go back to where it began. <laughs> so when you were I told Boyan on the run over here, I was like, let's just try and make this concise. Because <laughs> the, the time I was on running on OM, the, the interview we did at Harvard Stadium was like a ramble festival. I was like an a wild person that made no sense and you put it all on the internet <laughs> yeah it's all out there um yeah so let's bring it back actually i really enjoyed that yeah your mom said she thought it was funny which means that your mom is wild and out there and funny herself or she's like me she's a lunatic but i like her no i i really enjoyed the interview during the interview you spoke a little bit about the beginnings of np but i still want to kind of go back to the story because it's i find it's really powerful of just how you guys started the movement and how it really began just between you two working out together. So Boyan gets like, he won't want to tell you the story. Like he'll want to kind of rush through it, but I want him to tell it. <laughs> you know, like all couples when he's like, how did you meet? And then like, why don't they, you, no, 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 you, you tell it. Me? Yeah. No, you tell. And then like, usually the dude is like, I don't know. We met at a bar and then I asked her to be my wife. <laughs> and then she's like, no, tell the long version. <laughs> Um, so which version do you want me to I want you to, to tell, tell the long version, honey, sweetheart. Okay. Um, we, after rowing for most of our, uh, collegiate career, um, after graduation kind of separated our paths and went different, did different things. I was coaching in Syracuse while getting my master's. BG was coaching 
um, in our alma mater as a freshman coach at Northeastern Rowing. Not getting a master's. Not getting a master's because I'm smarter, obviously. Um, and then uh, we we were done with our collegiate rowing careers, reconvened back in Boston, and uh, wanted to do something to stay fit. And um, we were like, let's let's go and train. Let's do things that we used to do while we were still part of collegiate athletics, um, which, you know, the workouts are awesome. Workouts are hard, but what actually really was missing in our lives is the consistency of the schedule. Because every time during four years of our eligibility, we knew where we were at 5 p.m. or we knew where we were at 5 a.m. We were getting ready to get in the van to drive to the boathouse, jump in some boats and, you know, row up and down Charles River. So we missed that schedule. So we said, all right, 11, 1, 11, 630 in the morning, I'm going to start running from my house in Brighton and I'll meet you in Cambridge. We'll run from your house back to my place and then you'll run home by yourself. And uh, that was the first workout and we called it door to door. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we get to catch up on things and talk about life. And uh, as collegiate rowers, we like to track our improvement and kind of compare ourselves to each other and to our peers. So we created a document that um, had our weekly workouts. And back then we were doing Monday to Friday, full week and saved weekends for hanging out and drinking beers and, and sleeping in, sleeping in and racing sometimes. Right. And we went through the whole month of November and it was so much fun. And um, we started to like each other more. So we're like, let's keep going. Um, so cute. That's so nice. Brogan Graham and his brilliance um, decided to name that document, mutual document we're sharing between ourselves, November Project. And uh, that's where the legend, legend started. And then our stupid sense of humor, kind of like um, we repeat things until everybody in the room is laughing. Um, so similar to that, November Project was something that him and I were just laughing about as our, like, secret punchline that no one knows about. It's also why the, the hit track Believe in Yourself is so successful. Very true. Because it's just it's usually played about 1,500 times. Yes. So similar to uh, Row Your Boat, this our, morning, our, yeah. our third uh, hit on our album. Do you think so? It's like a cover tune because I, I don't know who's getting the royalties on that, but we didn't write Row, Row, Row Your Boat. We're just performing it. Yeah. Well, right. we're going to take full credit too. So <laughs> don't worry about to it. us. Yeah. Um, anyway, back on track. Um, we, what was I talking about? I have about? no idea. <laughs> you totally spaced out. I'm with you. You were speaking too. <laughs> See, she listens. That's the craziest shit. Yeah. She's listening to what you're saying. I'm not. Oh, you're not. November Project cracking jokes. Um, we were talking about November Project like it's this craziest thing that, uh, we've been doing for, you know, years, even though we've been doing it for like three or four weeks. And we started inviting friends and friends were coming here and there. And um, the crazy thing is that we went through um, November into December, which is, as everybody knows, like the worst time to start any sort of fitness regimen because it's cold. It's the weather is changing. And then you have holidays. You have Thanksgiving connecting with you know, Christmas break, connecting with New Year's Eve, connecting with like, so it's just constant eating and drinking and not really pursuing any sort of right. fitness. Um, but we stuck through and it was fun and it was interesting. And 
more people getting interested. And uh, fast forward to May of 2012, we decided to kind of like start a Twitter handle and start tweeting to the world. And our first um, recruit that wasn't our friend showed up and we thought we were the shit because we knew someone that came through the Internet. And she still isn't our friend. I mean, she, she still, still hates is. our guts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we think she's awesome. She hates our guts. Yeah, so we call good. her a friend. She doesn't oh, return Sarah. our calls. Yeah. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Wilde. Yeah. Um, and then shout we, out Sarah Wilde, by the way. And Just, then we <laughs> decided that this internet will stick around because you know it obviously works. Yeah. And um, and then we created a blog, created a Facebook page, and all these different things, and uh, start you know blowing it up as hard as we can. And from that May of 2012, with one person uh, outside of our group of friends showing up to September of 2012, we went from one to like 300 people. Yeah, because um, of our jokes uh, our and jokes our social were, media skills. Our jokes back then were on point. Now, mm, not so much. I think though that summer, because the summer of twenty twelve. That's when we met when you. Was, yeah, when I was yeah. came in June. I know I came in June. I think the fact that you guys took photographs was one of like the smartest things at the beginning to <laughs> get the word out because people would see pictures on Facebook, right? And then their friends would see and they're like, "Wow, these people are working out in the morning." Yeah. We were also, yeah, we were also kind of ahead, a little bit ahead of the curve or like kind of happening while this, the wave was crashing everywhere. Like we're not going to at all stand around and say like we created a group or anything. I think we created giant mobs. Now you look at what, you know, some of these um, bigger brands are putting in their money into creating something big. Big now is like, I don't know. I mean, when NP started, a big run crew in Boston was 35 people, you know, a big running club, on, you know, at the finish line, the Boston Marathon at Marathon Sports was like 40 people and you never saw 50 or you know whatever and now i feel like these days if you look on instagram at some of like the big run crews in new york or la or chicago like if you're not rolling with 200 people it's not that big of a group and like i think we were ahead of it on that and i think the photos definitely did help yeah um i i think we were also uh stroking people's egos in a way that um it didn't feel like you are bragging about yourself. Someone else is bragging about you, right? right. So, um, if you, if, if someone wants to take an awesome photo of you and then you post that from your profile, it's like, yeah, look, I'm I'm looking awesome, guys. Look right. at me. But if someone else does that for you and you're just tagged in it, it's you know, it seems a little more authentic. Um, even though you you still love to see yourself looking fantastic. So. Uh, we definitely played a little bit of a ego card there and um, it actually kind of blew in our faces a little bit because it alienated um, new athletes, people that didn't consider themselves as super fit because they would see these amazing peop people just looking like gazelles right, running right, up right. the steps and, you know, like mid stride and just like majestic. What they don't see is that we take 500 photos and we put only 20 or 30 of the best ones. They don't see that that person, by the time they get to the top step, they're keeled over and like drool is hanging and they're, right, right. you know, they're just looking they're bad. bleeding from the eyes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Blood everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Their um, diapers full. They're scooting. <laughs> <laughs> they're scooting all down wet, the steps. Up. <laughs> um, so we, uh, our, our challenge early on was to bring in the new athletes and people were like, do I need to train to like come and join you guys? And I'm like, no, come just hang and do as best as you can. 
Um, so we start catering workouts to include all levels of fitness to, you know, have scalable options that it's not all about racing. You pursue your own goal. Um, and that way you're motivating, um, you know, the person that may be similar speed to you, but also by just trying hard, you may be motivating some of those people that are in front of the pack that, you know, cannot relate in terms of speed with you, but they can definitely respect the crap out of your effort. So, um, so yeah, it was somehow we, I think we stumbled upon it. We didn't do yeah, that on and then, purpose. And but. then as far as like, it, it was a Boston thing. I mean, when we met you, it's summer 2012 and even into the fall, it was a Boston story. And I think that people kept saying like, what are you doing? What are you going to do with this? And they's like, what, what is this? Wow. You know, what's the agenda? What's your end game? And they said that to Boyan and I, when we had 50 people. And then those same annoying gnats, I call them, said it to us when we had 150 people. And then we had 300 people. And the most interesting thing to me, and now living on the West Coast, I find it more interesting of what's happening outside of Boston. Even though this is the mothership and this is the biggest tribe, uh, three workouts a week here in the 617 area code. But, you know, in 2013, it went from Boston Story on January 1 to the close of that year, we were in seven cities. And these were started by friends or tribe members from Boston who had moved. Uh, Dan Turboletti and, and Molly Thayer uh, were two leaders that were from the Boston tribe. And they were, uh, they started Denver, the Denver crew um, that became November Project Denver. And, and they were members of the November Project Boston tribe. So they kind of knew how hardcore it had to be and how stupid it had to be and how weatherproof and how to keep the social media and the digital going. So it was like, it was a lot of model kind of practices from Boston, but man, the personalities and, and how things change in the geography and in Denver's case, the elevation, you know, and to see Jesse Lauren and Ashley start, uh, this three women, uh, led group in San Diego. Okay. Well, is San Diego weatherproof. It's anything but weatherproof, but they still made it work. And then they have their following that grew similar to Boston's. And so that, that second year, and this is where it grew outside of, you know, the Harvard stadium, you know, to find seven tribes, one of which was in Canada up there in Edmonton. I mean, that was a fascinating year. And that was the close of that year finished with two really remarkable things. Um, and now being in 2016, I think people forget that these two things happened at the exact same time. We hosted our first summit in December, 2013, which was just the first seven cities. And we did it in Edmonton. Um, a few weeks ago, we just hosted our fourth summit. So like back then, Boyan and I thought it might be an okay idea to bring all the leaders together. And we did it on our own dime. And we just like were in a hotel room with no windows and it was so creepy and awesome. Um, and at the exact same month, we were on the cover of Runner's World magazine. And we felt like there was no higher mountain to climb. And I remember Boyan and I would catch eyes quite a bit in those days and be like, holy shit, what has this become? And little did we know, you know, now fast forward and, you know, we're in over four times as many cities as we were then, um, doing it wildly different, you know, in Winnipeg to Victoria to very far spread cities in Canada or as far down South as new Orleans. And I, I think the movement is a fascinating thing, but it's sometimes hard to see from outside of your city, outside of your tribe. Yeah. It was really impressive. Actually that first year when, uh, when, the movement exploded outside of Boston was the fact that there were other people that were willing to do this, to bring this to their communities. Brogan and I always thought that we're the insane people that, you know, we are somewhat emotionally invested in this. So we kind of have to keep going, but we didn't think that there will be other people that want to do this just as a part-time that actually sometimes feels like a full-time volunteering job. Right. 
And, and we didn't know that, um, that there will be people that want to do this consistently because we saw in Boston consistency is the key. Accountability is the key. And in order for someone to lead a November Project tribe, you have to be there all the time. If you can't, you know, you can't have a job that requires you to travel like 100 days out of a year and still try to lead November Project location. That's just not yeah. po possible. So to have this many people um, that are interested to start in their cities around the world, it, it, like that first year definitely blew my mind. First one was Brogan's brother, Dan, who, you know, that's family. The second one was um, in San Francisco, our friend Laura, who, um, who we knew gotta, through, through college. She's got to get on the show, by the way. Yeah, she's at some right. point. Powerhouse. Total powerhouse. Yeah. I got to run with them in San But she was also a friend, so she trained with us in Boston. She saw how it how it all developed. But first one that was completely out of our um, you know Rolodex was Danny in DC, and that was the first one where we're like, how we're gonna you know? And he's a young kid, very fast, like a triathlete, you know, just super talented great personality but like how are we going to mold him to keep this somewhat on quote unquote brand and uh and he crushed it he crushed it we you know we it, it was a little bit of a leap of faith um a little bit of a hand holding early yeah. on just kind of like steering him in the right direction but um the learnings that we got from those days were incredible so later on we we created a page that's called the pledging page where we outlined exactly the things that leaders should be expecting in order to, you know, start and lead the Vellum Project tribe just because we strongly believe that you shouldn't get yourself into it um, if you think that you can do it at least for a year, year and a half. Because um, you will you will let down your community. You know, they, they rely on you to be there every morning. Not every morning, but the mornings once a week or twice or three times a week. But um, if you can do that, if your job or your life doesn't allow you to do that, it's just yeah. it's not going to work. A lot of the outreach around new cities is like, hey, when are you coming to Atlanta? Hey, when are you coming to Portland? Hey, when are you? And we, we don't follow uh, maps of you know important cities or important markets. We just don't. And we never will. Uh, I, I know that we go to good leaders and we go to good leaders that are interested in leading a tribe and we try and scare them and we scare them into maybe not doing it because we would rather have no tribe in Atlanta than one that starts and kind of stumbles and then isn't and then they get a new job and then they, they, they move in with their boyfriend across town and they can't go anymore. So um, we'll follow insane leaders and we'll rattle them a little bit. And I think one of the most fun things to watch is, and if anyone's listening to this still, which I'd be shocked, um, <laughs> Hashtag NP underscore pledge. You know, Boyan mentioned one of the things about learning about these leaders and kind of challenging them and then sending them off into a pledge period. If you go to Instagram, NP underscore pledge, you'll see groups in Orlando, in Amsterdam, in London, all around the world that are building communities on their own without calling it November projects or November project in hopes of, um, as we say, you know, kind of being welcomed into the family and adding to the movement. So that's pretty crazy. I think what you're speaking to is that the leaders are really like the backbone of this movement. 100%. And I feel like to be a leader. Totally. <laughs> it's not even that. <laughs> I've, I had the privilege of having Emily Sell on the podcast, who's a leader. And I've met a couple of the MP leaders in Boston and other cities. And it's just, they're really selfless. And you guys are really selfless too, to take your own workout thing together. And now you're 
leading the workouts, which means you're not actually doing the workouts. You're just hyping people up during them. Like, it's like, I think you have to want to give people the experience. Right. It's so different. I think that people don't totally understand. And right. I don't fully even understand because I'm not a leader, but like what it takes. Well, and it's interesting too. someone reach out with like a really like, um, an amazing coaching background or an Olympic runner or something. And it's like, okay, well, how are you as a stand up comedian? How are you as an inspirational coach? How are you as, um, someone who can make a change on the fly? Oh man, we didn't know that that snow fencing would be up. Oh, the construction is there. Oh, the cops are here. There's a sound complaint. There's something. To be able to change your entire agenda in 20 seconds, you know, at 6.28 in the morning is what makes, you know, Chris Payne, Chris Capozzi and Emily Saul here in Boston amazing. Which, by the way, the interview you did with Emily Saul was like off the charts. And I'm not trying to hype her or you, but like you have a very soothing like voice for radio. And then you get her in the room and it turns into like this like. I mean, I felt like I was in a, like a warm bubble bath. I mean, it was like, and she was like, well, thank you, Julia. And you're like, no, thank you, Emily. I mean, it's just like, I was like, I might be sleeping or flying or I don't know. Am I, why am I laying in the driveway? Like what just happened? So anyway, uh, for viewers at home, don't listen to that one. Emily Saul doesn't have a lot to say. Um, but yeah, leadership is the backbone. You're completely right. So who is your favorite leader? I'm glad you asked. Gut, just shoot from the gut. Can we give, can we go podium? Gold, silver, yeah, bronze. Cause you, because on the last podcast, you said your least favorite leader. <laughs> Who did I say? <laughs> You're going to have to re-listen Yeah, to so go back and listen to that one if you have uh, 45 minutes in your day. No, it was like two hours. Favorite leader? Um, I'll, I'll do it. I think my favorite leader is um, Ruman in Victoria. Gold medal. Silver down the podium. I'm going to say... Um, Graham Snowden, because that guy skips summits, which is really awesome. And then uh, bronze medal is Dan Graham, because I'm related to him, and my mom would be pissed if I didn't give him a medal. Um, I'm going to go your classic, like, you're asking me which child is my favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, the scooting. It, you, you can't. You really can't say. Come who. on. Dude, Pick seriously. One. Well, Just uh, say Ruman. And, I, and I'm telling you why. <laughs> All right, Ruman. Um, I'll tell you why. So I was just... Uh, in Denver for a wedding of Dan by the way his last name is not Turboletti it's Bertoletti Bertoletti um, he was getting he was getting married to a girl that he met at November Project which is just incredible thing and he doesn't lead anymore so they're new leaders there and they're so dialed in and one of them Matthew had um, ACL surgery and he's still on crutches like hyping people and kind of like hobbling around and still yeah you know, awesome yeah cheerleading and you know just doing everything even though he should be elevating that leg and like icing it down because that knee is not looking good yeah. dude. Um, <laughs> seriously that thing's bad <laughs> yeah like they probably should have used a saw yeah, yeah that's anyway call. Yeah. um we hope that his recovery is going well can we make that call but so my point is chop it off that um i had so many people that i never met in my life after the work i come and, and say thank you for starting this and and i go back to them and I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like we were just doing things in Boston. These guys brought it out of Boston. Dan brought it out of Boston. Matthew and, and Woody and Molly are growing it. So like go and thank those guys every day after yeah. the workout, telling, 
thank you for leading this workout because they're the one that are making it happen. So to, to pick one of those amazing people, it's just not it's fair. Ruben. Yeah, no, it's Ruben. Okay, and, <laughs> and Ruben number one still. No, I heard what you were just saying in that little rant. So you think Ruben too? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Ruben leads in Victoria. He's our favorite. That's a great question. Ruben is the answer. <laughs> No, I think I think it is so true that it's really like thanking and sh- expressing gratitude to those people is huge. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I feel so much gratitude for what you guys have done. And wow, yeah, Julia Hanlon. No, it's well. You know what? That one we will take because yeah, we'll take we, yeah we, we. I mean, you've changed thousands of people's lives and have made people feel included. Like I think that's so huge. Is that like there's an inclusivity to November Project yeah. that I've never seen in any other athletic or fitness group. Well, I appreciate huh. that one yeah, because cool. you were there from the early early yeah. days when we were leading. So yeah, yeah, we'll take that one. Julia Hanlon's on the inside. Julia also uh, is the owner of Running on Ohm podcast. It is not an LLC, and I learned from reading your book. November Project is an LLC. It sure, is. and I learned this morning while having a poppy seed bagel in your kitchen that you read our book twice, once for me and then once for Boyan, so yeah. that you have equal. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, did you like it or did you love it? <laughs> I would say I loved it. Yeah. Is it your favorite book or? It's not my favorite book, but it's what? my favorite book on the memory project. Okay, so it's your thank favorite. Thank you for being honest. It's your favorite like grassroots fitness Boston based sure. yearbook photo book for sure. by Caleb. By the way, what's your favorite book? My favorite book. Mm. Don't look at the bookshelf. It's a book. I first read in fifth grade called Star Girl by Jerry Spinelli. Right. What's your favorite book, Serbian? November Project, the book. Yeah, nice. Mine's Running on Home, the podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't read. Because I don't read. I listen right. to books. And I think this is, is this technically a book? This is, yeah. Are we writing a book right now? Yep. I got to call Caleb, make sure we're doing this right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Daniloff uh, is the guy who made that project happen. He was a dude who wrote uh, an article that was living in the, in the, December 2013 issue of Runner's World that really, really put us on the map. And to go back in the conversation, what happened in that big pivotal year in 2013, opened with Boston, closed with Seven Cities and Runner's World feature, is that the next spring, we had just, it blasted off. 2014, we went from Seven Cities to 17. And then our summit wasn't just a couple of people sitting around a table, it was people from all over going to one of these endurance challenges. Um, but when the opportunity came up to write a bigger project in partnership with Rodale Publishing, um, Caleb was so cool. He was just, you know, I remember, I'll never forget, he kind of came to us with this like super respective, respe- uh, respectful, respectful tone. You're welcome. And thank you. Um, and was like, okay, guys, here's how you could do it. He's like, here's how you could write a book on November Project. You could write it and I could kind of like edit it. And, or you could do, and it was a lot of like, here, here's how you guys could do it. Or I could kind of help out. And like, he had these kind of like four options. Yeah. And he was like, or I can just ghostwrite it, but it's going to be a lot of interviews or we you can, can write a part. Right. I can write a part and we can just like we figure tr- it out. We could like try co-author it. And, bo- and it was like, it was so like thoughtful and professional the way he pr- uh, like proposed it. Cause he also knew that he spoke the language of publishing books to two guys that speak the language of like mob tactics. And so we... I don't think we laughed in his face, but like we kind of like like thanked him, and then we're like, "We'll get back to you in a day, Caleb." And then we like walked off, and boy, and I were like, "What? This guy's like like too nice." Okay, we have no business writing a book. He is gonna quarterback this project and make it so that if we do one day have a November project, the book it'll be really well done or similar to the leadership in Atlanta. 
we just shouldn't do a book. Like we're not going to be like, we got this and then make a crappy book. So having Caleb be able to leave his job and do this full time for the better part of a year, half a year. Um, and we say that he quarterbacked the project and, and gave us homework assignments here and there and, and was the true visionary behind it. And so it helps that similar to your experience with November project, he's been at it for a long, long time and it's changed his life. And so, uh, there's a lot of passion coming out of him when he went to organize the entire thing. Yeah. One thing I would like to say about writing books is that at least for me, MBG, I don't know for you, it was, um, it was definitely an interesting and very emotional experience because I mean, writing a book itself is just something that obviously I've never done. It's my first book, but, um, I wrote a lot of blog posts for MP, you know, daily almost. And, uh, and writing a book is not like writing a blog, blog post because the audience, you have to assume that doesn't know anything and you always have to give a little bit, you know, some context to it. So, and then there's a lot of like very emotional parts there, you know, parts from my past that I haven't revisited in over a decade that, you know, I wrote on many airplane rides where, you know, I would get emotional and start tearing up and like, I just have to close a computer and like go into the bathroom and just like, you know, take a dump, gather my wits. Oh, oh, sorry. But yeah, sure. That too. Fun fact. I never pooped on the airplane. No way. True story. I've never not pooped on an airplane. (laughs) There you go. Like, I mean, even like the short flight, like Madison to Chicago is a 25 minute flight. (laughs) Pooped on the airplane. Tagged it. Totally. Like, sir, sir, get back in your side. I got her. It's what I do. It's my thing. No, but I agree. I agree with what Boyan's saying. Cause I think, I think so many of us, and I don't want to make it like about men or women. I don't, I don't think that that's fair, but a lot of people that fall into like the, the kind of the role or the identity as like some version of a tough guy or, you know, guy, tough person, like a tough outer shell, which I know Boyan does. And sometimes even as silly as I am, I do as well. You rarely go back and visit kind of like the spill your guts moments of life, even though you're not scared to have them in conversation. And I'd heard about Boyne's family and I'd heard about, you know, what it's like to grow up in Serbia. But until you have a guy like Caleb or, you know, people at Rodale, Mark Weinstein saying, no, 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 I need more of that. Like, I'll never forget Boyne's first take on like, you know, uh, losing his folks or kind of growing up in some of the hardship in Serbia. I remember Caleb was like, Caleb basically kicked it back across the desk metaphorically and was like, ah, you're not getting off that easy. And I think that we both kind of had to like really dig deep a little bit. And I think that, you know, hard times and dark times are all relative. And, you know, to be a kid with divorced parents in Wisconsin, like, oh, poor me. Like I didn't grow up, you know, in the projects, but that was still like what formed me, what shaped me. And I really highly encourage that process for everybody. I mean, I'm not telling everyone to go out and get like a pink journal with a lock on it, but writing these things, your highs and lows, I think is super important. Um, and I think it also trickles back into what we do every single week and the opportunities we give our members to write guest blog posts and things like that. So the process was awesome. I learned a lot about Boyan. I learned a lot about NP through it. Caleb did an amazing job of, of fetching so many other people's experiences. So many, you know, pull quotes or even like full page long experiences that people have had. Uh, even folks that I'm friends with here in Boston, like I learned as the project was coming together. It's really, really cool. Probably something that we'll have for the rest of our lives. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think you both were like very vulnerable in the way in which you shared about your lives and your stories. And like both of you talked about, as you said, like the dark times and these like turning point moments that really set you on the trajectory of your path. 
right. and becoming who you were. And that was really mm-hmm. like, I feel like that was pretty brave to put it out there. And many of those things actually didn't make the book just for, you know, the dynamic of it. And when we saw the final draft, we were a little bit bummed out. But, you know, the team that, that was kind of getting the whole book together, um, like Brogan said, Mark Weinstein and, and Caleb and everybody else, um, and especially Mark, like he, he's publishing books Every, every minute, yeah, every minute, <laughs> yeah. right. So the guy knows how to how to edit the how book. To put out so, a project, yeah. um, you know, the cutting that he's done was just basically trimming fat, where we were just pouring our guts out and every single detail and the way we remember it and all that stuff. And he just basically trimmed it to fit the story better and then the dynamic of the book. Um, and early on, I was. You know, I was I was a little bit disappointed that not every single piece made it into the book. But then I once I read the whole thing, like cover to cover, I, I understood because it, I mean, that's yeah, that's, that's why he's publishing books. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. So, yeah. 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 So I have um, a group of listeners that get to know who I'm having on for the podcast and before everyone else does. And one of my listeners was asked me, what was, is the story behind NP yearbook photos? Like, how did that originate? Uh, I liked the idea. I don't know if it was my idea, but I, but I remember thinking that it was a cool way to see people when you open an album, a Facebook album. So instead of clicking through and having a photo and then one after the next, them coming through like a slideshow. I was always fascinated by the look and the layout of an entire, like all the little tiles of what's in the album. And that almost, that to me is the only modern day yearbook. Or, I mean, and then um, I also like in one of my alias Facebook accounts, I had this old <laughs> Facebook album called Faces of Humans. And I thought that was pretty cool because it, it would just tag the one person. It would kind of be a collection of people and places and friends, but just guided by one face. Um, but I think, and boy, and you jump in, man. I think the goal was a little bit of like, wait, who's that hot guy with no shirt on? Well, the answer is you don't really know. And we're not collecting email addresses and we're not bothering you. And we're not blasting out everyone's group information. And even though we push the social thing at November Project, you might not get to know. But if there's a yearbook photo and our protectors of the internet, like Aline Flashman, are helping us tag everything, that face now has a name and because you share the same community and you both work out together it's like a little bit of a direct it becomes a directory is that right yeah uh and then first summer that you get got to experience we would actually take our we would go through the the albums that we would take at uh, right workouts just to get to know people because once you have 150 200 people at the workout it's hard to keep the track of everybody's name so by taking these photos we were like all right so now we can go back and really know that guy's name, who we've been calling Bill, even though his name is Frank. Totally. Um, Kenny. Right. <laughs> I called the dude Kenny for four years. Turned out his name was Andre. <laughs> what about Kenny? What up? It's Andre. So anyway, this way we're like, oh, we're being idiots. This is what their real name is. Um, so it was some, someone from Selfish Reasons. I also, I almost wish that Instagram would make you use your name. I know that it's impossible or like it would never be able to be organized. But like I know people's Instagram names. Yeah. I know it's you know, so and then weird. like and then like if I were to run in 
Totally. Yeah. If I was to run into Runaway Renegade up in Winnipeg, I don't know her name. Sorry, Renegade. I don't know your name. Iron Man out in San Diego. His real name's Mark. What a letdown. So I call him Iron Man, right? Anyway. Uh, I'll, sorry, went off, went off track there. Yearbook photos. Yeah. Did you, do you, how many do you have? Do you have one? Do you have any? I have one, yeah, but I don't have a Facebook anymore, so... Yeah. yeah, but you have a podcast called Running on Home. I do have a podcast. Do you feel like it's important to plug the podcast while it's going so that people are like, yeah, I'm going to keep I'm listening. plugging my podcast on my podcast. <laughs> um, it's kind of like when you're listening to a radio segment and they keep on like going back to commercials. Yeah. <laughs> That's almost what, yeah, yeah. what that is. Um, so you spoke about those turning point moments in your lives that were like these dark periods. With the progression of NP, what has been a turning point moment for you, both of you individually, and your experience with it? Whether it was like a moment where you're like, wow, this is actually happening, or I don't know if I want to continue doing this. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, early on, Brogan and I kind of made a pledge to ourselves that um, this started as something that was selfishly for two of us. And we were... Um, having fun with it and when it start not being fun anymore we decided that like we'll just shut it down we'll burn it all down and like go back to our lives and our families and our you know day-to-day stuff and uh that was the case for some time until 2013 boston marathon bombing when the um after it had happened on monday um people came to the workout on wednesday and some, some folks were there for, you know, just to put in a workout. Um, some folks were there just to kind of hang out with someone and just use it as a healing process. Um, some people knew people that were injured. Some people were about to cross the finish line or they just crossed the finish line before right. the explosions went off. So it was, it was almost like a gathering, um, a silent healing. We didn't really, um, you know, do anything special or emotional. It was just a place for people to kind of gather um, and just deal with it in different ways. And for us, I walked away from, from, from that day thinking like, all right, so this is not ours anymore. Like we don't have a right to shut it down. If him and I start, you know, disagreeing on things like this is way out of our hands. It, it's, it's something that is driving and healing this community and it's way bigger than us. So for me, that was a turning point. Yeah. Well, for sure. That was, I think that was a, a huge turning point for us as leaders, but also for the movement because it was like it was it, it, it wasn't as fluffy that day. It was a need, right? It was a need. I had a really good f- friend who um, uh, was a big part of Somerville Roadrunners, and he, you know, kind of stuck to his side of town and hadn't really ever been to NP. And he came that morning. He's one of the best runners in the house, and he just stood there and looked around and smiled and hugged people and sobbed a little bit and then went home. And I just remember thinking like, wow, that's the first time the guy's been NP. He's been a handful of times since, but I just, I'll never forget that. Just being like, he's wearing a Somerville Roadrunners shirt, his, his tan, or his uh, singlet, didn't get it painted. He wasn't really there for the NP. He, he wasn't really there just for him. Or I, It was just, it was so cool to see him there. Um, as far as the movement goes, you know, I think that um, Boyan and I, 2013 was an interesting year because um, we were kind of in and out of different jobs, but we were truly passionate about this. And we had to make the decision of, are we ever gonna do this? And we had this dream job, like this dream job that there's no way it could make sense, right? So hear me out. We're gonna jump on airplanes and go see the movement everywhere and connect with leaders. 
and help bring on new tribes and connect everyone through some summits and spread best leadership practices. Like we, we're, I'm sitting in a cubicle in Brighton. I think you were unemployed at the time and we're sitting there thinking, that's not a real thing. And for me, the turning point was an interesting back and forth that happened over the course of 2014, where at one point, Boyne and I stood up from a table and I said, I mean, after, of course, tons of back and forth and a, a commitment to the North Face and their ability to back this entire movement. And I quit my job and we went in full time. And that's when things became really real. That's when we could block out a handful of hours per day to write a book. That's when we were, were able to jump on airplanes and... I just, the, you think about the crazy things that happen in life. Creating something is crazy. Stoking the flame of painting shirts and tagging the right Facebook photos, that's pretty crazy. 300 people at the Harvard Stadium is crazy. Seven cities, cover of Runner's World. And then all of a sudden it's like, how much further can this go? I have a very good friend who doubted that we would go much further than seven cities. She was at the workout this morning. And on Wednesday at sunrise, the workout will go off in four countries in 29 cities. And it's what Boyan and I do as our full-time job. And so, oh man, I just, I hate to fall down like the corny, corny like line of like, believe in your dreams, follow your passion. You can do anything. There's the sky is, there's no limits, but man, it, this is living the dream. It truly is. And it's like, it's one thing I get really serious about if we ever get this far in the conversation, but this is what we do. We live the dream of November Project and we get to see the movement everywhere. It's fucking awesome. So what, what is the vision? What are you guys excited about? Where do you see the biggest area of growth for it? Uh, it's obvious that the, the groups that are congregating at November Project workouts are pretty uniform. It doesn't really have much of diversity. And I think the next step for November Project is to, um, to tap into areas that can really benefit from free fitness. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. I think that there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, we have proven that the free fitness model works, that um, accountability that is created through community and the motivation that is um, stemming from having someone to motivate you and to to keep you engaged and excited about getting up in the morning or getting together during lunchtime or after work or whatever, it's, it, it works. We, we've proven it. And, you know, the, the concept is legit. Um, so we need to figure out the way to expand into areas that can really, really benefit from free fitness. Yeah. I also, yeah. To, just to add to that, I think that, um, you know, we've, we've embarking about world takeover for so many years. I think that to see really strong tribes, um, on different continents is a huge thing to see this working in Boyan's hometown in Novi Sad, Serbia is a huge thing in Iceland Wednesdays and Friday mornings. Like the fact that it's in Europe is insane, but not kindness and hard work for free. It's adult gym class, like just get up. Right. And so I would love to see the next uh, handful of months and the better part of the next year be about having November project, uh, that is connected to this movement. That's heavily based in North America in further flung places, you know, where 
you can start to really see that this is something. I mean, you know, like Boyan said, the, the, the lack of diversity, like what would this look like in Nigeria? What would this look like in Southeast Asia? Like what would this look like in South America? And, and, and how could it always work? I have a good friend in, um, who lives uh, in northern Israel, and he's like, this will never work in, in Israel. It'll never work. And yet he lives on a mountain that has these beautiful curated steps that go all the way to the top. There's gardens on both sides, and it's probably 12 feet wide all the way up a mountain. It's probably two miles of steps. And I just, I want to challenge that notion with a good Israeli leader who like keeps it cool and, you know, obviously speaks the language and is an inspiring athlete and charismatic and kind to all walks of life. I think it could work. I really do. And I want to prove us right. And I want to say us, I don't mean Boyan and I, I mean all of the passionate leaders that are involved and all of the dedicated members. That's, that's my kind of dream scenario right now. Cause we've, We've done some big things as, as a group of, of crazy people that believe in this, and I'd love to see it in, in further reaching corners of the of the world for sure. And you guys went to China this past year. Yeah, we were in China and Hong Kong. What was that experience like? It was incredible. And uh, one thing that I learned is that my friend Brogan Graham is surprisingly very good in his native tongue. Native tongue, Mandarin. <laughs> um, <laughs> So Brogan, I'll, wow. I'll, I'll tell the story. Um, Here we go. After he graduated from Northeastern University, he decided to move to Hangzhou, China, to teach English. That's right. It was supposed to be a six-month stint that turned almost into a 12-month stint. Yeah, something like that. And uh, upon his return, he, was, uh, he came back a different man. But while he was there, he obviously learned the language a little bit, which he got to use... In front of my friends. In front of his friends 10 years later. And it was a surreal experience walking into like a little hole-in-the-wall noodle place where our friend Brogan Graham was ordering for everybody. That's not... Well, kind of. You were ordering for everybody, my I friend. I was awesome. And then he was cracking jokes, and I was like, what is going on? Yeah. So, I'm Brogan multicultural. Graham speaks Mandarin. Uh... It was cool to go back because I left in 2000, uh, 2007 and it was kind of one of those times in your life where I was like, that was weird. Never going back there again. Not like I didn't like it. Just kind of like chapter closed. I don't know. But um, it was really cool to go there with Boyne. It was really cool to be there connected to uh, the North Face Asia who was launching their training program and wanted us to come over and do some, lead some workouts and do some media stuff. Um, Art. Our amazing friends at Deuster Film Company were both actually paid to come along as well um, to shoot and, and tell the story and kind of the way that they do their things. Um, and we've been working with them ever since the first summit. So, like, these are our boys. So it was, a, it was such a fun trip. And um, I also had never been to Hong Kong until this experience this spring. And for those of you guys listening that have never been to China, China is a great place. It is culturally smashing. It will blow your mind. Um, and if it's not on your bucket list consider it. Hong Kong needs to be on everyone's bucket list. It's like a crazy experience of this worldly port city that has just like so many ins and outs and people from all over. China is very Chinese, whereas Hong Kong is like a worldly extreme place. I would compare Hong Kong to Manhattan, yeah. but more insane on one side. And then like serene, beautiful, right, right, secluded right. trails and... On the other side of the island. Right. Just like complete stark opposites from, from each other, but somehow it's it's working. Right. So the history of Hong Kong, I actually don't know it. No, I do know it. In 1997, the British gave it back. 
to the to the mainland Chinese, and and it now it's now it's back to being Chinese. But the the laws around protecting the green space in the mountains around Hong Kong and Hong Kong Island were such that if you've never seen it, you should Google it today. It's a wild place. These giant, colorful skyscrapers, what you would think of if you've never been to Asia, kind of this colorful, like lit up sky, you know, skyline at night. Um, but like Boyan said, then you're just nestled right in these mountains that are not like there's a couple houses on that cliff. It's like all of downtown and then just into the most beautiful. I mean, and we were able to run some trails up there and there's a huge push for trail running right now in Hong Kong. It's like kind of the fad. And, um, so to get out and, and Boyan and I were getting ready for the endurance challenge marathon in New York, which we've joked about being different levels of not ready for. And, um. So it was awesome. Laura came, the leader of San Francisco. I mean, she's she's on board fully, and so it was it was a great great trip. That sounds pretty awesome. I know you guys, as you said, travel a ton together, and I imagine you've had to navigate some weird places, weird situations. What is the biggest disagreement you guys have ever had? On the road. Road, not road. I would oh. say going back to the story um, that the. BG shared as his uh, turning point, which was um, direction of us kind of like quitting our jobs and going MP full time. Um, and I think the disagreement was like just how are we going to go about the next steps of MP? And it was it was emotionally driven. And um, I think for ourselves as very good friends up to that point, I think we walked away from the experience scarred but i think better friends yeah totally. because um you know there were many very passionate conversations going back and forth where we were like are we at the standstill and um i think we put you know we set our differences to the side and uh kind of pursue it with the tribe in mind like let's take ourselves out of conversation and let's let's see what what the best step is for the movement and uh you know we decision that we made we thought it was the good one at a time but you know it was it was very emotional experience and we learned a shit ton about each other and yeah it was intense yeah i i also think like because <laughs> that's like definitely the biggest one yeah um and we're kind of dancing around the details but i think some of the funniest ones the disagreements on the road um come from and we were laughing about this last week in denver there's always this moment when we're running to a workout so we usually stay at these hotels or like airbnbs that are near the workout where like you step out of the hotel and you either go left or right. Maybe sometimes you go straight, but left or right. Those are usually your options. And we've been in this situation I, countless times. And so, and Boyan usually has his phone out because he usually has a data package and I don't. Google Maps don't really tell you which way. Like you step outside right. and it takes you, you have to start running one direction before it actually picks up where you are and starts kind of like, all right, you should go this way or this way. Shout, out, shout out to the band One Direction, by the way. <laughs> um, and and you don't know where north or south or east or west is, right? So you kind of because you're like surrounded by buildings, it. so you don't know where the sun is coming out from. So like, so it's basically the scene looks like this: two big guys, like a joke. Two big guys leave a hotel, and they both confidently say, "Like, no, let's go this way." And it, and then we both kind of like start slowly heading, and we're both staring at Boyan. So, so that's always so if the you're funny one. if you're a concierge inside of that hotel, you see us like turning left, and then five minutes later, right. you, we're running faster late right. now. Right. That guy, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're like a cute, cute old married couple. We've been at it for a long time. Once or twice, and except we're not cute or married. We're not married. 
We got to get Marley on this. Is it possible to get One Direction, even one of the members of the band, on Running on Home? If you're out there, um, Chad, they probably have a guy named Chad. Lead singer. <laughs> there has to be one Chad. Yeah, there's like least. 16 guys in that band. Chad, think about coming in. Bring your drums. Chad the drummer. No, he's the keyboard guy. Chad the keyboard guy from One Direction. You could, you could put him in order. You could go Malkovich, Abby, D'Agostino, and then Chad the drummer from One Direction. But also keyboards. <laughs> but also keyboards um how do we wrap this up or should we keep going i don't know <laughs> i mean chad can probably call in and wrap it up we're we gonna start, start taking up. calls now yeah well <laughs> uh, john levitt from alston um well i think we could start over too like i don't think this is that good we could just start from the top i think this is awesome i think we covered a lot of ground how long have we been at it? An hour and 15. Whoa. Wow. That's like a good medium distance run. Yeah. There. And it was educational too. That's the thing. That's why I feel so good about it. Like you should play this for your young kids or troubled teens Yeah, to bring them back on track. We totally kept it clean. There were no F-bombs. Have you thought about ever bleeping out the F and the SH word? I, I, I don't <laughs> mind if people F, swear. Those are two different words. F is one and then yeah, SH. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People swear, but I've actually had some listeners email me um, about certain episodes where they felt offended. Oh, people have swore. Well, apologies to you that are getting. Oh, you're getting some emails for this one. No, I'm just letting my listeners know that I want people to have real talk. So if that means that they swear, I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Should we say some? Sorry, listener, if we ruin your um, listening experience yeah and if you have a troubled teen that likes the f word and you think that's going to help them further down the wrong path don't play this for them because i think i said it a few times really i don't remember you. it's just so natural when i say it you know yeah. it's like upbeat and charming right you know you're like oh wow that was nice it felt nice mm. yeah i feel like we have to do something to finish this off let's do a long home or we can scoot across the yeah the have a scoot scoot champion but it's kind of hard to show, you know? People won't be able to see. Yeah. But they'll hear about it. Um, so I, um, I want to thank you for having us. At the end of every yoga class, for the most part, the teacher, usually flexible and somewhat uh, inspirational, will say, you know, I'd like to close with the sound of one ohm. And then what I think is total bullshit is that then it's, it's a competition of who can go the longest. And um, if you, you – if, because Boyan doesn't go that often to yoga, but if you own the longest, Boyan, it means that you're the best in the class. Okay. Have you ever had David Raglan on this show? I haven't, but I've thought of wanting to have him on the That show. guy is awesome. Yeah. He's yeah. one of a kind. He Does joked, he crush taking, his ohms? Um, he is... He cru- you know, he doesn't... No, he doesn't do any... Ongs, O-N-G. Yeah, he, he, doesn't, he, he does his own thing. He's like this dashingly handsome yoga guy who thinks yoga's dumb, but he's really good at it, so he's kind of like... But I, I went to a workshop of his in, in Los Angeles or somewhere because Goldie's in love with him. And I'm in love with Goldie. Um, where, like, he would walk into the room and, like, just, didn't, just doesn't give a crap about anyone. And everyone paid, like, $30 to be there. And, like, I, I hate to sound this way, but, like, all of the women are, like, melting on their mats. And, you, like, you're going to hate the guy, but, like, he's awesome. He, like, he's kind of killing it. David Raglan. Um, okay, so do you want to do that for the ohm? Or do you, you should probably end it. What do you think we should do? You're the, you're the host. Yeah. Oh, this is, host. This is us. Um, I think Brogan should end it. Do you want to sing? 
I'm gonna let you finish oh. it. I don't know. We Shall could, we? We could sing about believing in yourself. Or do you want to do that? We could sing the Julia Hanlon song that we wrote on the way over here. Oh yeah. All right. We wrote a song about Julia Hanlon, and then I'll sing the main part, and you just come in with those backups we talked about. Okay, cool. Um, do you want me to give you a beat? Yeah. It's, it's, gonna, it's gonna go like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Julia Hanlon. Julia. Julia Hanlon. Julia, she is a podcast host. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh. <laughs> Can't believe you won. I told you guys in the intro, but this was a wild one for sure. I have so much respect for how Brogan and Boyan have built November Project from Boston to 29 cities and four continents with a tremendous amount of passion, hard work, and hugs. If you haven't already gone to November Project Workout, hopefully by hearing the full story from them and how it's a community where athletes of all abilities and backgrounds are welcomed, we'll encourage you to check it out in your city. Also, November Project The Book is truly incredible. I've read it twice now, and it's such a dynamic read that tells their personal stories, their challenges, and the journeys of numerous members of the New Ember Project tribes. I'll link to it in the show notes, and I encourage you to purchase a copy yourself. If Rue is a part of your life, and you look forward to listening to a new Rue podcast every week, then please consider donating to Rue's Patreon page. You get to join an intimate Rue community with insider access into the podcast, exclusive content, and more. So visit patreon.com slash running on home to donate, and know that any amount of support helps. You've also heard this ask many times before. It's pretty simple, and it's to leave an iTunes review of the podcast. It'll take you less than two minutes, actually. You can do it right now from your phone, click on the Reviews tab, and even a one-sentence review makes a world of difference. Reviews improve visibility in the iTunes interface so that more like-minded people can find the podcast and help Rue grow. Please know that I've read every single review, and I wish I could thank each and every one of you personally on here. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for supporting Running on Ohm. Deep gratitude to each and every one of you. Yes, you. I'm your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a rue-filled day. <laughs>